G'day, my name is Jeff. We're going to look together at James, uh, continuing our series this time today, James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open and your outline ready? Let's uh, look together at this passage, think about what it means and how it applies to us. Let's start off by asking God to help us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Please help us now to understand what it says, uh, to understand what it means, and to think hard about uh, applying this passage to ourselves that we may have the kind of faith that makes a difference to our lives, a visible difference. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, a bloke uh, joined my Bible study here at Chatswood. Uh, he had uh, he'd grown up in a Christian family. He'd always considered himself to be a Christian, but uh, it had been many years since he had been to church. Yeah, we got back in the habit, started coming to church and to Bible study. And then one day while we were in Bible study, we were, we were talking about the issue of uh, being, being brave and open about our Christian faith. We talked about different aspects of life and we talked about work, the workplace. And, and I asked him, I said, uh, what do people at your work think about you being a Christian? He said, he said, I've been working for five years at the same job and I have never, ever told anyone there that I'm a Christian. I said, but, but don't they notice? Don't they see that you're, you're different in the way that you speak and, and act? And he said, you know, I've, I've never thought about it. Next week, he came back to Bible study. He said, he said guess what? I, I told someone at work that I'm a Christian. I said, uh, I said well, how'd you go? How did that go? He said, not what I expected. I told this guy that I'm a Christian, that I'd been to church on the weekend. And, and he, said, he said, you're a Christian? Wow, I'd never have guessed. You seem so normal. I said to him, what did you think about that? What did you think of, of what he said? And he said, well, I have been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. And, and, and I think... I think this is the reason. I think this is what's going on. It's because of the way that I act at work. Um, sometimes I swear when I get angry. Uh, I, I gossip along with everyone else. I get grumpy with workmates who don't do their job. Um, I, I have a bet every week in the sweepstakes. I have never kind of disagreed with anyone about moral issues or anything like that. I've never stood up and said, this is my view as a Christian. And, and on Fridays, you know, I, I go out with everyone and sometimes I do drink too much. He said... I've been thinking about it and, you know, it's no wonder people don't know that I'm a Christian because I'm exactly the same as they are. I said, uh, I asked her, how, do you, how does that make you feel? How do you feel about that? And he said, he said, I know you're going to think this is bad, but as I've thought about it, I'm pretty happy with the way things are. I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. I don't want people to think... I'm weird. I don't want to lose any friends. I don't want to. I don't want to endanger my job. And then he said something, something very telling. He said, "He said, can I believe in Jesus, but be the same as everyone else? Can I believe in Jesus, but be the same as everyone else?" It's an important question, friends, especially when, especially when you're under pressure. And I believe, I believe that pressure 
is going to increase in Australia for us over the next few years. Increasingly, we will be called on to conform, to be the same as the people around us. So it's an important question, do you really have to be different when you believe in Jesus? James's original readers, they were doing it tough. They'd had to escape from Jerusalem, from the Jerusalem church when the church was persecuted. Now they're living in foreign countries as religious refugees. Now, maybe, maybe back in Jerusalem before the persecution happened, maybe it, uh, there wouldn't have been that much pressure. It wouldn't have been too bad to be a Christian. I mean, they had, they had apostles like James teaching and pastoring them, and they were in a familiar environment. And, and, and even the non-Christians around them, the Jewish people around them, they would have been mostly moral people who believed in God, in the one God. The culture would have been built around the laws of the Bible. And so these Christians, they could, they, they could be Christian without really having to stand out too much. It wasn't like they had to stop doing Jewish things. You can still do Jewish things. There's nothing wrong with them. So, so they could be Christians without having to stand out too much. But now, now in these foreign countries, well, things would have been very different. Now, the people around them, they didn't worship God. They worshipped idols. Now, just to get a job, they may well have had to join up with a guild for example a lot of a lot of jobs were built around guilds and these guilds used to have their meetings in the idol temples followed by a drunken party and uh, with, with temple prostitutes both male and female i mean the way people lived in these other countries was vastly different from biblical morality and so now if the christians if they follow biblical practices their neighbors are going to see the difference they're going to think that they're weirdos there would have been constant pressure on these christians to conform to fit in with the ungodly society around them. And it's not like life would have been easy. You know, they're poor, there's a famine, they're struggling to get by. Who needs the pressure? So you can imagine the temptation. They would have been tempted, well, to think like my friend in Bible study. Maybe I can be a Christian, but I can make some compromises. I can... Just make some changes so that I don't stand out from the people around me. Maybe I can be a Christian, but I don't have to be different. Well, James starts off this next section of his letter by talking about this, this idea, the idea that you could have a faith in Jesus that makes no difference to your life. And he says this, it's very strong. He says, he says a faith like that, it's a sham. It's not true faith in Jesus. It's, it's useless. James starts off by using an illustration. He says, he says it's, it's like, imagine somebody is desperately poor. They have nothing, they're, they're naked, they're starving. You, you go up to them and you say, oh, you poor thing. I hope, I hope somebody gives you some nice clothes and some food to eat, and then you walk off. It's... It's useless. It's no help at all. James says, he says, well, that's what it's like to have a faith that doesn't change your life. It's useless. It's a sham. It's, it's as good as dead. No, no, no. Genuine faith in Jesus. It must change your life. James chapter 2 and verse 14. Have a look with me. James chapter 2 and verse 14. 
What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James then deals with the issue from a slightly different angle. Uh, someone might say um, that you can separate faith and good works, as if Jesus gives some people strong faith and he gives other people good works, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, James has got two things to say about that, the idea that you can separate faith and deeds. Uh, first, he says, the only way to show that you have faith, the only way to, to prove that your faith is genuine is if it makes a difference. The only way to prove your faith is genuine is if you act on it, if you live it out. The only way you can know that you have faith, the only way that you can show that you have faith, the only way to demonstrate that it's real is if it makes a visible difference to your life. Still in verse 18, show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. Then second, uh, James talks about demons. Uh, demons have a better theology than any of us. They know who God is. They know plenty of stuff about God, but they don't respond. It doesn't make a difference to their lives. They don't repent and live for God. No, no, instead, they just shudder in fear. James is saying, faith without works, faith that doesn't change your life, faith that doesn't lead to repentance and living for Jesus as Lord, that is, that's demon faith. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James then goes on to give two Old Testament examples to prove his point. Now, first, there's the example of Abraham. Now, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and God credited, credited it, credited it, credited it to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham was saved by faith. He was justified before God because he trusted God's promise. But, but what kind of faith was it? Was it a faith that made no difference to his life? Was it a faith that, that didn't result in action? Well, no way. It was a faith so real so true, so genuine, that Abraham was ready to even sacrifice his son in obedience to God's command. Abraham's actions, they completed his faith, so to speak. They proved the reality of his faith. His, his, his faith was, was proved true when he acted on it. Verse 20. You, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did? when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And so James repeats his point. Faith alone, that is faith that doesn't change you, faith that is unaccompanied by actions, faith that makes no difference to your life, it won't save you. A faith like that is bogus. It's not genuine faith at all, and it's not going to do anyone any good. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone, without action. 
Uh, James goes on to give a second Old Testament example. And this example, I think it proves that what he's saying applies to everyone. This is not just something for the great heroes of Judaism like Abraham. This applies to anyone who has true faith. So James talks about the example of Rahab. Uh, Rahab was a, a Gentile prostitute in the Old Testament who also showed a genuine faith. Uh, Rahab, she, she makes a wonderful statement of faith in the book of Joshua. But again, her faith was a faith that wasn't just wasn't just words. Her faith was a faith that led to action. It transformed her life. It transformed her allegiance. It led her to join up with the Israelites and to help them. Verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? James finishes by repeating the point one last time. Faith that doesn't change you, it's like a body with no breath in it. It's not true, genuine, saving Christian faith. It's dead. Verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Okay. Can you see what's here in this passage? The point is, it's pretty simple, I think, isn't it? genuine faith in Jesus, it must change your life. It must change your thoughts and your words and your actions. So-called faith that makes no difference to your life, it's false. You're kidding yourself. If you say that you believe that Jesus is the Lord who saves you, but then you're not going to live for him. You're kidding yourself. Faith without deeds is a sham. It is dead. All right. All right, well, before we think about applying this passage to ourselves, I want, I, want us to, I want us to do a bit of theology together. I want us to think a bit more about the relationship between salvation, being right with God, and faith and good works. Now, this is something that we thought about at great length last year when we looked at um, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2. But I, I want us to take the opportunity to think about it again uh, first, because it's, it's, it's very important, but second, because some people claim that. What James is saying here is something different from what the Apostle Paul says. Last year, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. And I used a, a diagram to try to show you the order of how it works, how it fits together. So let me, let me show you the verses from Ephesians 2 again. And we'll look again at the same diagram and just see how it fits in with what James says here in chapter 2. So... Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Uh, it's on your outline. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Most people think, that the way to be right with God is to be good. They think we need to earn a place in heaven through doing good works. Uh, it, it's a bit like in this picture. People think that doing good things enables us to be saved, to be right with God. But, but here in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is perfectly clear about it. That is a wrong way to think. Salvation is by grace. It's a free 
gift of God. It's not from ourselves. It's not by works. It's a gift from God. And James, in his letter, he's said exactly the same thing. He's already said that we can't save ourselves, that we're saved by God. So if you go back to chapter 1, verse 18, for example, chapter 1, verse 18, he says there, do you notice, that God chose to give us birth through the word of truth and to be part of his harvest of heaven. You don't give birth to yourself. No, no, God chose to give us new birth so that we're born again in, in, into being right with God and saved. Or chapter 1, verse 21. Um, chapter 1, verse 21, James said, it's God's word of the gospel, God's word about Jesus planted in us, which can save us. Friends, James and Paul perfectly clear about it. No amount of good works can put us right with God. Being saved from God's anger, it's not like getting a pay packet at the end of a hard week's work. In this sense, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how often you've been to church. Good works count for nothing when it comes to being saved from God's anger, put right with him. You cannot earn salvation. So, in terms of our picture, we need to cross out this line. Being good can't put us right with God. But Paul and James... They both tell us how we can be right with God, how we can be saved. God offers, as Paul says here, to save us as a free gift through Jesus. As Paul puts it, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Or as James puts it, verse 21 of chapter 1, it's God's word about Jesus planted in us which saves us. In terms of our picture, it looks something like this. Our good works can't get us to heaven. That's crossed out. No, no. The only way we can get to heaven, the only way we can be right with God is through Jesus who died and rose again for us. And what we need to do is it's to, to accept what Jesus has done. As I said, again, James chapter 1, verse 21, we, we need to humbly accept the word planted in us which can save us. We need to rely on Jesus to forgive us and put us right with God. We need to ask him, Please, because of your death and resurrection, forgive me. We need to accept the salvation that Jesus freely offers. That, that's, that's what faith is. Now, notice what the diagram says here. It's Jesus who saves us. It's not actually our faith in and of itself. Now, this isn't really the point that James is making, but I think it's a very, very important point. Um, so I, I want to reflect on it for a little while. Because some people get very worried that they don't have enough faith to be saved. Uh, I sometimes have people say uh, something like this to me. They say, I, I, I wish I had your faith. People think that it's, that it's faith in itself that saves you. And so then the question would have to be, well, how much faith do you need? And you can never have any assurance because, well, how do I know if I believe enough to be saved? But friends, it's actually, it's a wrong way to think about faith. Now, I've, I've used this illustration before, but I think it's really helpful, so I'm going, going to repeat it. It's an illustration that I've stolen from uh, Professor Don Carson. Uh, so this story, it uh, dates from way back when Israel were in slavery in Egypt. 
So it's the day before the first Passover, that the day before uh, that, uh, that time when God came through Egypt and killed the firstborn so that Israel was set free from slavery. Uh, so in this story, uh, two Jewish men, they're chatting to each other over the back fence. Uh, let's call them Shlomo and Yitzhak, some good Jewish names. Uh, Shlomo says to Yitzhak, Yitzhak, it's the day before Passover. Tonight, the Lord God will set us free from our slavery. The angel of death will pass through Egypt. He will kill all of the firstborn. He will do to them what Pharaoh did to us. But because we've put the blood on our doorposts, the angel will pass over our houses. We will be saved. And soon the Lord will lead us to the promised land where it will be filled with milk and honey. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. I cannot wait. Praise be to God. Yitzhak says, but, but Shlomo, really? Do, do, do you really think it could be true? I mean, the Egyptians... They're not going to want to release their slaves. And, and, and seriously, who, who's going to make them? Egypt is the most powerful nation in the world. You talk about God and his plagues. Well, how many plagues have there already been? And it's, what's it done so far? It's just made things worse. And, and what's going to happen if they do let us go? It's a desert out there. I don't know, Shlomo. I don't know. It all seems pretty scary to me. Shlomo says, Yitzhak, have you put the blood on your doorposts? Of course, says Yitzhak. Then don't you worry. It'll be grand. Oh, I wish I had your faith, says Yitzhak. Do you get the picture of this story? Now, Shlomo, he has, he has a very strong faith. Now, Yitzhak... He has a very weak faith. He's full of doubts and fears. Now, the question is this. The question is this. Which of the two of them gets saved? Which of the two of them does the angel of death pass over and spare on that night of the first Passover? The answer? Both of them. Of course. Why? They both had the blood on the doorpost, and so both were saved. What I love about this illustration, it shows they're not saved by their faith in and of itself. They're saved by the blood on the doorpost. You can have strong faith, and that's great. It'll make your life better. You can have weak faith. But the reality is, it's Jesus who saves you, not your faith in itself. You just need to accept what Jesus has done. Trust him. Rely on him. Ask God to forgive you through Jesus. Ask Jesus, be my saviour and my Lord. You can have plenty of doubts, plenty of fears, but if you will do that, if you will have the faith to put the blood on the doorpost, so to speak, if you will rely on Jesus, he is the one who saves you. Carson himself, uh, Professor Carson himself puts it like this. He says, It's not the intensity of our faith 
but the object of our faith that saves. All right, back to our diagram. We're not saved by doing good things. We're not even saved by having faith. We're saved by Jesus as a free gift, which we gratefully accept through faith. But in those verses in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says that if Jesus has graciously saved us, we should respond. We're saved by grace through faith. And this faith needs to be something real, something that makes a difference, something that causes a response. We should respond by serving our gracious Saviour. As he says there, God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And friends, that is exactly the same point that James is making here in our passage today. The sort of faith that relies on Jesus is a faith that must change our lives. You cannot say, I believe Jesus is my saviour and my Lord, but I'm not going to obey him. You say that, you prove, you don't actually believe in him at all. You're kidding yourself. Faith that doesn't change your life is dead. It's a sham. So, there it is. Back to our picture. Being saved by Jesus, it must lead us to do good works. It must make a difference. Can you see how it all fits together? Good works can't save us. That's crossed out. We can't get to heaven by being good. Only way to get to heaven, the only way to be right with God is through Jesus. But if you accept God's free gift through Jesus, if you've accepted that free gift, well, it's got to inspire you to good works. It's got to make a difference. Can you see how it fits together? And can you also see, can you also see that Paul, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle James, they're saying exactly the same thing. It's the same model. It's the same diagram. It's just that they're applying it to different problems. Now, Paul, he is dealing with people who say that you have to be good to, 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 to get to heaven. You have to be good to be saved. And, and he's, he's smashing that. He's saying, no, 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 no. Uh, James, on the other hand, he's dealing with people who say, well, you can have a faith in Jesus but it doesn't have to make any difference to your life. And, and, and he's smashing that. But can you see they're using exactly the same, um, it's not the same diagram. Okay. All right, well, let's, let's, briefly, let's briefly think about applying this passage to ourselves. Friends, the point is very simple. We need to ask ourselves this question. Do I have a faith in Jesus that is genuine? The sort of faith that shows. The sort of faith that changes my life, my thinking, my words, my actions. The sort of faith that cannot go unnoticed. Or am I caving into the pressure? Am I compromising? Am I conforming? Am I, am I pretending that I can have a faith in Jesus that makes no difference to my life? Well, as my friend in Bible study, as he grew as a Christian, he started to change. He started to change the way he spoke, started to change the way he acted, and people at work started to notice. And uh, then when they showed interest, he would take the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. 
he lost a few friends, but he also ended up bringing up three or four people, uh, bringing three or four people from work to church. A little while later, his, uh, his boss asked him to um, um, fudge some figures to kind of cook the books a little bit. He was an accountant, and the boss asked him to, to act dishonestly. Uh, previously, I remember him talking to me about it at Bible study, previously he reckoned he would have just done it, just kept his head down, done what he was told, stayed out of trouble. But by that stage, well, he was a different man, and so he refused to do it. Sadly, the boss then found an excuse to, to sack him from his job. I had lunch with him soon after, and I, I, I apologised to him. I said, brother, I'm so sorry if you lost your job because of me. But do you know what he said? He said, no way. It's great. Now I can start a new job, and this time it's going to be a whole new story. This time, I'm going to let everyone know I'm a Christian from day one, for, even in the job interview. In fact, I've even put it in my resume. Have a, come and have a look. This time, I'm going to stand up and stand out as different for Jesus. Friend, Do people, know you're a, do people know that you're a Christian? Can they not help but see it? Because you stand out as different. Do you have a faith that shows itself in your actions? Important questions to ask, aren't they? Because faith without works is dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you save us through Jesus. Thank you that he's lived the life we should have lived, died the death that we deserve to die. Thank you that he is raised from the dead, now seated at your right hand, and he is the one who paves the way for us to be right with you and in heaven. Heavenly Father, please help us to accept this saving word, to put our trust in Jesus. Help us to do so with a faith that is real. As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, help us to live differently, serving him, loving him, standing up and standing out for our glorious Lord. Uh, please help us in this by the power of your spirit. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.